Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Very much looking forward to my guest today. Not only is he one of my faves, but when I was alone in the studio for the very first time hosting a show, he was my very first guest. So it is like a homecoming every time I have uh, Rob Morgan on. I'm always uh, happy to talk to him, and we're going to talk today about the resurrected body. I I think it's going to be a fantastic hour. Uh, Robert J. Morgan is a full-time leader of uh, Robert J. Morgan Ministries, and he is a former pastor of over 30 years, and he's written scads and scads of amazing books. I have many, many of them, and I'm, I love them all. Rob, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Bill. You're you're the best. Well, you're, Thank you're you nice so to, much. You're nice to say that. You know, I as we think about um, the resurrected body, there are a few topics that make people as happy and as excited as this. Well, it's a part of Easter. It's the Easter story mm-hmm. taken one step further mm-hmm. because Jesus had a body that was subject uh, like ours to pain. It was subject to uh, deterioration. It was subject to aging because we know how he grew from infancy to to uh, uh, maturity. He aged uh, and it was subject to death. He died on the cross as we celebrate during Passion Week and Good Friday. Uh, But when he was resurrected from the dead, it wasn't simply a resuscitation. There was a transformation that took place, and his body was glorified and equipped for eternity. And that whole story that took place and unfolded on Easter is a preview of our own resurrections and the bodies that we will have for eternity. Mm -hmm. And Rob, I'm excited because Scripture tells us our resurrected bodies will be imperishable. Well, that's exactly what we read about in 1 Corinthians 15. This is this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is the resurrection chapter of the Bible. And here is where Paul deals more extensively than anywhere else with our resurrection bodies. Now, he deals with this quite a bit. The entire Bible does. Uh, and all of the gospel writers and epistle writers say something about it. The Apostle John says that, When we see him, we will be like him. Uh, And Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 that we are eagerly awaiting a Savior who will transform our bodies to be like his glorious body when he comes again. In 1 Thessalonians 4, we're told that the Lord will come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. And we who are alive will be caught up together with the Lord to meet him in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. So we're given all of these indications that our actual human bodies are going to be reconstituted mm. and are going to be resurrected. And But it's the, the transformation of the bodies that is really the subject of 1 Corinthians 15. We're not just going to be like corpses that are resuscitated. Our bodies are going to be transformed to be like his glorious body. It's it's just a mind-blowing thought, Rob, to think that 
we will have these glorified bodies. You know, we talk about them, but right now we're living in our earthly tents with all of our aches and pains, and it is almost hard to believe that one day this glorified, resurrected, imperishable body will be ours. Well, Paul uses a couple of different metaphors. One you just referred to, and 2 Corinthians 5 is the tent. Now, when my children were little, we took them camping. And we had a tent. We ordered it from L.L. Bean. I never was very good at camping. <laughs> but we would throw this thing up, and we would all get inside of it. And when the rain came, and it seems like whenever we went camping, there was just this torrential rain that came. It was impossible to stay dry in that thing. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to trench around it or something. But then when you when I fly into Nashville, uh, which is where I live. And I look down and I see some of the homes of these country music stars. They are fabulous mansions. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul says that our resurrection body is going to be like a mansion mm-hmm. compared to that little pup tent, <laughs> you know, when we're when we're resurrected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said it's going to be like a stalk of corn compared to the little seed. I mean, you know, when I used to plant, I don't have a a garden now, but I used to plant corn and I love corn. And, you know, a corn seed is a little hard kernel of something that you just plant in the ground. But somehow, miraculously, in the wonderful uh, botany of God, that little seed becomes a, a huge stalk of corn and it's green and it's thriving. And our resurrection bodies are going to be transformed like that. It will be the same in essence. Our bodies will be exactly the same in identification and essence and nature. But they're going to be vastly superior to anything that we have now because our bodies now, as I know and maybe you know, have a way of uh, giving out on us and deteriorating and they're subject to all kinds of uh, of maladies. Uh, not so in the future. Mm-hmm. And Rob, it sounds like this question has been asked forever. In 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-five, it says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? So they've been asking this question for a long time. Well, we all want to know that question, don't we? Because oh, that, yeah. that is our hope. That is our future. Uh, my wife battled multiple sclerosis, and I saw that progress over many, many years until she went to heaven. Uh, the Bible says that outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So so in this world, in this life right now, we have bodies that are deteriorating, but the Lord compensates us by giving us spiritual energy in our personalities, in our souls, and our spirits so that we can stay fresh and joyful and happy. But at the resurrection, our bodies and our souls are going to be renewed. And it says in Revelation that God will wipe away all tears from our eyes, no more pain, no more grief, no more suffering. And we get a glimpse of what that body is going to be like, the resurrection body for the believer, when we study the resurrection body of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us quite a bit about that resurrection body that he exhibited after he came back from the dead on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone asked that question, how are the dead raised and what kind of body will they come? Paul did have a response for that. Didn't he make a, paral- a parallel to nature? Yes, he made two different parallels. 
He said in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else, but God gives it a body as he determined. Mm -hmm. And he says to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. And then he um, uses this analogy in nature. So the Lord, what Paul is saying here is the Lord can make whatever he wants to make. If he wants to make an oak tree, he can make an oak tree. He grows it from an acorn. If he wants to make a stalk of corn, he does it. He makes it from a little kernel of corn. Whatever he wants to make, he can make. He knows how to do it. And the one who made our physical bodies now knows how to make our resurrection bodies in the future. The other illustration that he used in that same passage, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40, says there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly ones. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, stars another, and star differs from star in their splendor. Now, that passage confused me until I really got down and studied it. Uh, but all, Paul is saying something very simple here. He is, he is making a simple point that God can make whatever kind of body he wants to with whatever kind of glory that he wants it to have. Mm -hmm. If it's a star, if it's a meteor, if it's the sun, if it's the moon, he can do that. And so he is also able to transform our bodies to be glorious like his body. Mm -hmm. Now, the, you know, the question that people have, Bill, and, and, you know, certainly I do, is how is God going to do this? I mean, uh, there have been people who have been alive since Adam. Uh, their bodies have deteriorated. Uh, some people have been burned up in fire. Some people are cremated. Some are buried. Some people are um, eaten by animals or or uh, or eaten by sharks. I mean, there is no end to the things yeah. that can happen to our bodies. Um, the the Holocaust people were taken into these gas chambers in the most evil uh, exercise of cruelty in history. How can God create our new bodies when our old bodies have returned to dust? But the answer is, to omnipotence, it is easy. Mm -hmm. We don't understand it, but God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He created our bodies to begin with, and so to him, it is easy. He knows how to keep track of the DNA. He knows how to keep track of the molecules. I don't know how he does it. It is something that is imponderable, but he is omnipotent, and to omnipotence, the reconstitution of our bodies is easy. God can do it, and Jesus Christ is evidence number one. Mm -hmm. Rob, I just mentioned this verse half a half hour ago to a friend, and it's uh, Psalm 115, verse 3, that says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. It's wonderful, isn't it, Bill? It's the best. It's just wonderful to think that we have a God for which nothing is impossible. Mm -hmm. And there are only a few things that are possible for us. We cannot do most things. We cannot solve most problems. We cannot help most people. We cannot heal most wounds. We cannot uh, tackle uh, things that are beyond us. But we can do what we can do trusting that God and his sovereign power can do what we cannot do. And the resurrection of the body is something 
that we cannot do, angels cannot do it, the seraphim cannot do it, the cherubim cannot do it, but God can do it, and he's promised to do it, and we should be eagerly awaiting that day when the trumpet will sound and will be resurrected and Easter Sunday will happen for every one of the believers mm. and the followers of Christ. I just stood up and cheered. That is uh, such fast, fantastic news. We're going to take a little break. Robert uh, Morgan is our guest. You can learn more about him at Robert J. Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N.com, robertjmorgan.com. If you don't own any of his books, um, you're missing out. I've got uh, probably five or six in my library. And I love them all. We'll take a short break and be right back. Listen to Faith Radio Live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. So glad to have Robert Morgan as my guest today, and I love our topic. We're talking about a resurrected body, and I'm excited that we can continue that conversation. In 1 Corinthians 15, if we go down to verse 42, it says, Rob, that the body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. I think that's kind of an important sentence. Would you uh, discuss that for us? Oh, how important and how wonderful. Let's go back to the body of Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, he genuinely was as dead as anybody has ever been dead. And to prove it, they shoved the spear into his side and and they wrapped him in in the the clothing of, of, of burial customs of that day and they buried him. Now, three days later, there in the cold blackness, of that sealed tomb, his eyes opened, his lungs started breathing again. Mm. He, he, he came back to life, but it wasn't just the fact that his body came back to life. It wasn't just that he began breathing again. It's in a flash of glory, he was glorified. If he had simply come back to life again, then he would have come out of the tomb and he would have gotten older as the years passed by. Mm -hmm. He would have been subject to sickness. He would still have been subject to pain. Uh, There are a handful of people in the Bible that were resuscitated or resurrected um, in a a normal sense, like Lazarus, uh, or like the widow, the son of the widow of Nain. Jesus raised that person back to life, but they all died again. Mm -hmm. They were still subject to to pain and to, to illness and to sickness. Uh, poor Lazarus, he had to go through death twice, you know. Uh, but but when Jesus was resurrected, it was altogether different because it involved glorification. It was raised perishable. Uh, it was sown perishable, but it was raised imperishable so that there was a, a transformation or a glorification or something, a flash of omnipotence mm. that surged through that corpse so that when Jesus's eyes opened and his heart began breathing and his lungs began moving again, 
he was glorified now so that his body would never again age. I think when we see him, we will see him as he was on Easter Sunday only in a heavenly, glorified, bright, brilliant, luminescent way. He would never again have pain, never again be capable of dying, uh, never again have any physical deterioration. Uh, and here's the pattern for our bodies. So when we are resurrected, it is imperishable. That means we will never be able, never have the capacity again of dying, of deteriorating, of pain, of corruption. You know, Bill, everything in the world uh, is subject to decay right now. If you go upstairs to my refrigerator, I live alone now, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I try to keep my refrigerator cleaned out, but somewhere in the back, there is something that's got mold growing on it because things just, they we, things go bad in this world. Um, trees will fall down and, and decay. Uh, rocks will eventually be worn down by the elements. Uh, everything decays and our bodies decay, but heaven the New Jerusalem is a place where there is no decay, nothing ever perishes, nothing ever deteriorates, nothing ever goes bad. Everything is always at the prime continually. And so that's the way our bodies will be. They are sown perishable, but they are raised imperishable. Fantastic news. Uh, Robert J. Morgan is my guest. Rob, let's talk about the, the term spiritual body. It seems like that is an important aspect uh, in order to, to function in a, in a spiritual realm. Yeah, so in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 44, we're told that our bodies are sown a natural body, but they will be raised a spiritual body. Now, this does not mean that they will be raised in some kind of spiritual way without the body. I mean, it's specifically, the body is specifically mentioned here. They will be raised a spiritual body. What Paul means by that is that we will have a body that is capable of functioning in the spiritual realm, in heaven, in other words. When God created the reality, when he created all of reality, uh, Bill, he created both the physical dimension and the spiritual dimension. We can't see into the spiritual dimension right now. There are angels all around us, I believe, but unless they make themselves visible for some reason, we cannot see them. Uh, if we had the most powerful telescope in the world, we couldn't see heaven right now because it's in a spiritual realm. It's invisible to us. Uh, the, the demons, uh, which I think are present in the world, are invisible. The devil, we cannot see with our eyes. All of that is part of the spiritual realm. But when Jesus comes again, the spiritual and the physical are going to be brought together and will live side by side with angels. We'll be able to see New Jerusalem. We will live there and we'll, we'll have physical bodies that are capable of life in the spiritual realm that we cannot see now, but one day will. Mm. So our bodies now are only for this earth, but when they are resurrected, they'll be at home wherever they are, including in the highest heavens. Rob, we don't get lots of information on our resurrected bodies, but we get enough, don't we? Yes, and they will be recognizable. I think this is the most wonderful thing about it. When Jesus um, rose from the dead, people recognized him. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes people say to me, will we know one another in heaven? 
Well, of course we will. Uh, our bodies will be recognizable. So uh, we don't have as much information as I would like about this. But, you know, God gave us a Bible that is exactly the right size. We can hold it in our hands. Uh, it's small enough to take with us in our briefcase. Um, it's small enough for us to study uh, and feel like we can get a grasp on the 66 books. Mm -hmm. It is so big and so deep that we can study it forever. We can never exhaust its meaning. But the Lord used a great economy of words, and he gave us the basic information that we needed to know. And he gave us imaginations so that we can visualize to some extent what he was telling us. But he hasn't given us everything that we would like to know. But what he tells us is sufficient to give us a great sense of anticipation and joy. And it's this anticipation that keeps us going. People, you know, there was a report the other day in the Washington Post about the health, the mental health crisis among girls, uh, the depression that is overwhelming uh, teenage and young adult women. And uh, people need hope. They need uh, anticipation. They need a sense of excitement. They need to be able to look forward to something ahead of them. And the Bible provides all of that for us with Easter and with our own personal Easter that is coming up with the resurrection of the human body for those who know Christ as Savior. Mm -hmm. Rob, I think as we talk about a resurrected body, it's the one time I think of the word more that I get the most excited about, because there's going to be, like you say, more joy and uh, more love and more of everything, isn't there? Yes. Right now, we are very hindered, even in our ability to know Christ. We can know him. We meet him at the cross, and we know him by the Holy Spirit who makes him real to us. We know him by the word. We know him by the scripture. We can walk with him. We can talk with him. But we have not yet seen his face. And Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible joy. But imagine that moment when we see him face to face, when we look at him and recognize him, and we say, well, that's Jesus. That's what he looked like. There he is. He's been waiting for me. I've loved him all of this time, and now I can see him face to face. Then we will be able to love him with more love and serve him with more dedication. And like you say, we'll be filled with more joy. And it is a joy that is eternal in nature. Mm -hmm. Rob, this is nothing but good news. It's wonderful news. No <laughs> wonder. In fact, you know, the gospel is the good news, but the word good is sort of an understatement, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It, I mean, this is my favorite kind of discussion. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this lovely discussion with Rob Morgan about our glorified bodies and the resurrected Savior, Jesus. We'll be right back. It's the afternoon 
My guest today is Robert Morgan. We're talking about resurrected bodies, the resurrected body of Jesus and the resurrected glorified bodies we will have. Because our current bodies, they're, they're headed in one direction, but our glorified body is going to be perfect and it's going to be one day our bodies will be raised in power and glory and we're never again going to be subject to some of the sicknesses or diseases or products of a sinful world in which we have lived and known this body. So when we get our resurrected body, it is going to be the most joyful time. Um, looking forward to that. So Rob, again, this is a discussion Rosie was saying during the break. This just makes her happy and it makes me happy. So uh, I love that we're talking about it. And I want to continue uh, to talk a little bit more, if you would, about you know flesh and blood. Of course, scripture says that's never going to inherit the kingdom of God. Um, the perishable, perishable body is not going to. Um, so again, just remind us all that how important it is to be in a position so when you die, you can one day have this event happen to you. And you just don't get a glorified body unless you put faith in Christ. Well, this is why Jesus came and why he died on Good Friday. He wanted to provide a perfect sacrifice for us because all of us have fallen short of the glory and the perfections of God. We are all uh, faulty in our attitudes and our behaviors. We've all made mistakes and we've all committed sins. And heaven is a perfect place. This is why God became a man, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, shedding his blood as an atonement to forgive us of our sins. And when we choose to follow him, then we become his followers both in life and in death. The Apostle Paul said to live as Christ and to die as gain. And all of this has been on my mind because I'm preaching through the book of Philippians. And at the end of chapter three, it says, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies mm. so that they will be like his glorious body. Right now we have lowly bodies and he has a glorious body, but at the resurrection, our bodies, which are lowly now, are going to be glorious like his. So I go back to the Easter stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I say, what is it about the Lord's body that was the same? And what was it that was different um, before and after the resurrection? Well, it was certainly the same body. I mean, he said to the disciples, look, I'm not a ghost. Here I am. I mean, he appeared to them in the upper room and he said, look at my hands and my feet. He said, look at this scar in my side. He still, though he had been glorified, he still had the wounds um, from which he had died. Now, that brings up a question to me, you know, if I uh, have some disfigurement or something, when I'm, will my glorified body have the same disfigurement? And I think, uh, no, because our body's going to be perfect. Uh, I wonder if maybe martyrs who have uh, stripes across their back or something else may 
may still have those as as tokens of of glory. Um, but I think that Jesus here is a unique case. I think that his his wounds here were wounds that were a part of his providing salvation for us. But all of that just goes to say it was the very same body. The body that was resurrected was the same physical piece of humanity that had been crucified, mm-hmm. but now it had been glorified. And yet, when he appeared to them, he said, you have something here to eat. And, you know, sometimes I'll go to somebody's house and I'll say, do you have anything here to eat? <laughs> well, that was one of the first things that Jesus said. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he said it because he was hungry. He wanted to demonstrate that the resurrection body is a real body that is capable of eating. And they served him some broiled fish. And that was what the Lord ate after he, uh, in his glorified body, after he rose from the dead. He he ate some broiled fish. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, th- the fact that the physical body of Christ rose from the dead tells us that heaven is a physical place. It isn't just a spiritual invisible realm. There, there is a concrete three-dimensional reality to it. We can't see it right now, but we will one day. But we will physically inhabit New Jerusalem. I think the city is exactly as it's described in Revelation 21 and 22. I think the new earth is going to be a huge, big, new, improved uh, version of this earth that is, again, imperishable and not capable of decay. And we're going to live on it. And we'll be able to do things like eat and drink and do the things that Jesus did. Now, he also seemed to travel by telepathy. Jesus seemed to be able to go through stone doors like the the stone that was rolled in front of the tomb. He went through wooden doors Mm -hmm. and he passed in and out. He appeared and disappeared. Uh, Will we be able and our glorified bodies to do those things too? Or was that just special elements of of the Lord's body because he was God? And Bill, I don't know the answer to that, but it does say our bodies will be like his glorious body. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those uh, special uh, moments that we see after the resurrection, uh, the Lord do with his glorified body, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those are transferable to us as well. I don't want to be dogmatic about it, mm-hmm. but um, but the Lord can. Do you remember when when Philip was um, uh, he had the Ethiopian? Uh, well, he was in Samaria, the city of Samaria, and then suddenly he was down in the desert, and the Ethiopian eunuch came, mm-hmm. and then suddenly he was somewhere else. You know, the Lord was taking that guy almost like Star Trek, you know, on the transporter, mm-hmm. when you just when you dematerialize and you rematerialize somewhere else. Well, Jesus seemed to have had that quality. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make light about it or just reduce this to science fiction, but, but the body of Christ had supernatural qualities to it. And I think that we may be able to participate in some of those. I don't want to be dogmatic about it, mm-hmm. but our bodies are going to be like his glorious body. Rob, don't you think he was demonstrating something to us? I mean, if he's got his physical body and they're seeing Jesus, they're they're recognizing him. Eye color is the same, everything, body structure is the same, but he's glorified. And yet he's coming in and out of rooms without having to open the door. 
Was he just trying to give us a little wink as to what's ahead in our glorified bodies? I think you may be exactly right, and I love that way of putting it. Uh, Again, I can't prove or I cannot articulate for you all of the supernatural properties that our glorified bodies may have, Mm -hmm. but they will certainly have properties to them that we know nothing about now. We'll be able to do things and uh, experience things. The pleasures will be deeper. The joys will be higher. Our capabilities will be larger. Um, You know, Bill, all of my life, now you are so multi-gifted. You know, you can... I can't believe all the things that you do. You, you just, God has given you a lot of different gifts. Uh, I can hardly do anything. I took piano from the time I was a child until I was in graduate school. Literally, I took graduate level lessons in piano. I still cannot play a single song. <laughs> I don't, I just mm. cannot. I, but in heaven, I think I'm going to learn how to play the piano. I, I want to are. do this. Yeah. You know, I want to do this. Um, and I think that a lot of the things that we long to do now and may not be able to, we have all of eternity to enjoy doing those things. We're going to be very, um, uh, very active. Uh, yes. It says his servants will serve him. We're going to be productive. Uh, heaven isn't going to be a place where we sit around, uh, you know, eating grapes and fanning ourselves and, and floating around in a cloud. It is a place of activity. It is a new earth. It is a great city. There will be all kinds of things going on there. We'll be involved with it, and it will be in our actual glorified bodies. So I think the resurrection of Jesus gives us some wonderful hints of all of that. Mm -hmm. Rob, would you talk a bit about the uh, moment that Jesus had on the road to Emmaus with his resurrected body and what that experience was like? Bill, this is my very favorite story oh, in the good. entire Bible. I love the story of uh, the Emmaus Road. I've tried my best to figure out how to replicate it when I've been in Israel, but there's political barriers, and and right now you you we're you know we're not even quite sure where Emmaus was, let alone being able to get there. But this is um, the story that is given in Luke 24, the afternoon of Easter day. Mm -hmm. Jesus had resurrected that morning, had been seen by uh, the women, by some of the disciples. The news was beginning to spread that something strange had happened. There were rumors. People didn't know what to make of it. And so we have these two people who had been in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, and now they were walking back seven miles to Emmaus, but they were very sad and downcast because all that they really knew for sure is that Jesus had been killed and they had loved him. And imagine how you feel when someone that you love has died and especially to die by torture. And especially when you had had so much hope in what they had told you about God. And so they were trying to make sense of this. And suddenly someone was walking beside them. Just imagine, I mean, they Uh, Where did this guy come from? They looked around and there he was. But it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Mm -hmm. So he would have been recognizable to them. They would have instantly said, Jesus, it's you. But the Lord did something to prevent them from recognizing him. And he said, what are you talking about? 
And they said, well, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And we had hoped that he was the Messiah. And we're confused about the rumors of his resurrection. And Jesus said, how foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets have said. Now, that's very interesting. (laughs) It is. And then he took them into the Old Testament and he showed them and talked to them and explained to them the predictions in the Old Testament that had been fulfilled by his death and resurrection. And then when they finally got to Emmaus, they sat down for supper. He sat at the head of the table. It was just, there was something about his gravitas that. He just did that. He broke the bread. They recognized him, and he vanished. Mm -hmm. Now, I used to wonder, why did Jesus disguise himself, or why did the Lord prevent them from recognizing him? And the answer, of course, is that Jesus wanted to prove to them the resurrection, not based on empirical evidence, but based upon the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And only after they were fully convinced on the basis of his fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that he was the Messiah and had risen from the dead, did he give them the empirical evidence of suddenly appearing in a way that they could recognize, and then he disappeared. So we, we have all of this evidence in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And even though we don't see him right now physically, we see the evidence of fulfilled messianic Old Testament predictions about him. Mm. Uh, Rob, I'm so glad I got you on that topic. That is fascinating. I've got one more question for you when we come back on the road to Emmaus. Robert J. Morgan is my guest. You can go to robertjmorgan.com to learn more about Rob and his amazing uh, writings and speakings and blogs and sermons. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. We're talking about our glorified bodies today. So if you've got some thoughts about your current body and you would like a new one, you've come to the right show and the right guest. This is Robert J. Morgan is uh, talking today about the resurrection and the glorified body. And we were talking about the road to Emmaus, Rob, right before we went to break. And I, I was reflecting on the way Jesus used his strategy of proving prophetically that it would all take place Yet his strategy was quite different in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well when she said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So different strategy. Well, the Lord has different methods of apologetics, uh, and we see that in the field of apologetics now. We aren't dependent on just one line of proof when it relates to the veracity of Scripture Mm -hmm. or the truthfulness of Christ. 
there are many different approaches to it. There are uh, layers upon layers of evidence for the truthfulness. We've got archaeology. We've got uh, evidence from science. We have the fulfillment of prophecy. We have the psychological uh, amazing transformation of human behavior uh, that serves as a testimony for Christ. So there are many different kinds of ways of, of providing evidence for people who have genuine questions about Christianity. And the Lord uses all of these approaches um, to, um, to, to help us have our questions answered and, and our doubts settled. Uh, we don't believe uh, in spite of the evidence. We believe because of the evidence. Mm. And Jesus, um, the Lord has, has a way of providing all of that. But, you know, the, the remarkable thing here with the uh, disciples to Emmaus is that it says that suddenly uh, their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and he said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Now, when it talks about the scripture um, in the New Testament, that's referring to the Old Testament. They were saying he opened the Old Testament to us. Well, Bill, you know that I could preach the rest of my life about Jesus. <laughs> every aspect mm -hmm. every aspect of his birth, his life, his personality, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming, his kingdom, and never leave the Old Testament. It is all there prophetically wow. in the Old Testament. Mm. Yes, so good. All right, I want to visit one other glorified, resurrected body moment that Jesus had with Mary at the tomb when she arrived early that morning. And um, he must have said, I don't know how many times, on the third day I will rise, on the third day I will rise, on the third day I will rise. She shows up on the third day to help continue preparing a dead body. Well, and and she recognized him. Um, now, I... I, I do not fully understand why the disciples and the apostles did not comprehend what Jesus was telling them mm -hmm. about his death and resurrection. Uh, after Caesarea Philippi, uh, when he took the disciples on that retreat and went up to the far north of Israel and said, who do you think that I am? And they said, you're Jesus, you're the Christ. From that moment on, he began preparing them for his death and resurrection. And he told them in a lot of different ways, I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected. They could not conceive of this. They could not comprehend this. And even after he died, it didn't dawn upon them the import of what he was saying. It was just beyond their ability to understand because, uh, because he was such a remarkable person and they were so convinced he was the Messiah. Uh, so, yes, the women came to the tomb, not expecting to find a resurrected body, but expecting simply to tend uh, to the herbs and spices required for the fulfillment of the burial customs of the first century. But then it says that Mary saw him. And at first she thought he was the gardener. I think she was looking at him through tears. But then she recognized him. He, he spoke her voice, and she recognized his voice. Mm -hmm. I think our voices are going to sound very much the same. And, uh, and then she bent down and, and 
hugged him around the legs. And and uh, that was the beginning of the wonderful uh, news of the spreading of the Easter story. But but it was a glorified body. It was a body that could could do remarkable things. And she recognized him and he knew her. So when we get to heaven, Bill, we're going to recognize one another. And I, I want to be careful with what I say, but I think that there will be an instinctive ability to know one another. Mm-hmm. I think that a woman who has had a miscarriage, she will see someone across the way in New Jerusalem and instinctively know that is my son. Mm. He will know that is my mother. Um, now, I could be wrong. They may need to be introduced. Jesus may come and say, I want to introduce to you this young man here. Yeah. He, he is yours. But somehow, I feel that we will instinctively recognize one another. And it seems like that's the way it was on the Mount of Transfiguration, that Peter, James, and John instinctively knew who Elijah was and who Moses was, because they'd never met them before, but they they knew them. So so this ability to to be together and recognize people from all the different generations and and to be reunited with those uh, that have gone on to heaven, such as my dear parents and my dear wife, mm-hmm. uh, to recognize them and know them and to hear their voice again and see their face and to see them without pain and and whole bodies that are glorified and indestructible uh, and to enjoy being with them forever. That is our glorious hope. That's the phrase the Bible uses for it. And I think every morning when the sun comes up, we should think it could be today. Every night when the sun goes down, we should say it's another day closer. Whenever we look up at the heavens, we should say it's right up there. Every time we look down at the ground, we need to say, I'm not here alone. We just need to constantly be looking forward to that day. So, so good, Rob Morgan. So the Old Testament, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, of course, the Old Testament, all prophecies were validated by his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. Just, we've got about three minutes left, and Rob, I wonder if you could just maybe remind us why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so critical to our faith. Well, it is predicted in the Old Testament. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, it has it there. But Paul said, going back to 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then we're of all people most miserable. There is no hope if he died and his body decayed and there was no truth to his eternal life that he promised, then everything is doomed. This whole universe is doomed. Everybody is going to die. Everything is going to die. Given enough time, the sun will eventually um, fade out. The planets will stop moving. The stars will fade away. And everything will be as though nothing had ever been. And there is nothing there but absurdity and nothing there but chaos and and sadness and despair. But if Christ is raised, if he has been raised from the dead, if he is risen and glorified, then that verifies all of the promises that he made to us, and that gives us a future and a hope. So all of Christianity stands upon the veracity of the resurrection, and all of our hopes, our anticipation, is based upon what happened on Easter Sunday. And that's why it is so imperative that we do what Jesus said, and that is to 
give up our sins, to turn away from everything that holds us down, and to take up our cross and to follow him. He said, follow me. He said, if you believe in me, I will give you eternal life. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he said, do you believe this? So bringing ourselves to Christ, giving ourselves to him, is the single most important decision we ever make, and it's based upon the single most important thing that he ever did, which happened on Easter Sunday when he rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. He made incredible claims, but he backed up every one of them. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, Rob, what a great, great time of of teaching and and re- reminiscing on the beauty of what Christ has done for us and the excitement of our future. And I know you are probably going to be very happy to spend the first um, million years just gazing at the beauty of Jesus. Then I know you're going to take your wife on a hot date, aren't you? We are. <laughs> when she was um, uh, when she was near death, I said, "When when we wake up, we're going to go for a walk along the Crystal River, yeah. hand in hand." Yeah, it's beautiful. So I intend to do that. I know you do. Thank you, Rob, so much for being on the show today. Always a delight to hear your voice and your teaching and. Uh, We just absolutely love you here at Faith Radio. Thank you, my friend. You bet. Thank you. You bet. Robert J. Morgan's been my guest. You can go learn more about Rob and all of his books and writings at robertjmorgan.com. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.